0: I want to talk about being thirsty for Jesus. I want to talk about being thirsty for Jesus. You know, as we come to the end of a season of eating and drinking, parties, getting together with family, overeating, overindulging, it made me think about a time that Jesus went to a big feast. It was a really big feast, actually. It involved the whole nation of Israel... And they celebrated together for seven days. A bit like we have, really. Just celebrating together as a nation for seven days. And this was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And really, it was just one big long party. Uh, So, do you like parties? Yeah? Um, Well, do you know, this was a really good one. It took place every year. It started in the autumn after harvest. And, and when they brought all the food in from the fields and they just went for it, they just partied the whole time. And the whole nation was celebrating. They just celebrated together. And do you know what the best thing of all? God commanded them to. He commanded them to celebrate for seven days, to eat and drink and make merry. How about that? Did you know that God likes parties? <laughs> Did you know that God is full of joy? That he is full of celebration. He's a God who celebrates. He celebrates over you. Did you know that? (laughs) He celebrates over us. Do you know it says in the Bible that the whole of heaven breaks out in celebration when one sinner repents? So if you think about it, with all the people that are coming to Jesus, heaven must be a pretty wild place most of the time, celebrating all the time, every time a sinner repents. I think that's amazing. And there's going to be an incredibly big party when Jesus returns. He brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. It's all about celebration. It's all about celebrating who Jesus is. So if you're one of those people that don't like parties, well, you need to get used to it because Jesus loves parties. You know, the first miracle he ever performed was at a party. He turned water into wine. Some people say, no, surely you should have done it the other way around spoiled everybody's fun but jesus didn't he turned water into wine anyway i'm going off track but this is what they did for seven days they gave thanks to god families got together they sang songs they laughed they ate and they drank it was a wonderful time can you get the feel of it Uh, but this is about what happened one year it's on the seventh day of the feast it was the most important day of the whole thing It was the day that everybody looked forward to. If they'd had an advent calendar, that would have been the day that was without the chocolate at the end. This was the day that they were all focused on. Up until then, all sorts of traditions and rituals will have been performed, but on this last day, it was really special. And John chapter 7, 37 calls it the last and greatest day of this feast. And on this day, all the priests would dress up They'd have these special clothes and they would process together around the altar seven times and they'd have these jars of water that they would pour out as thank offerings to God and they would sing psalms and they would blow trumpets. It was the holy highlight of the week and everybody was focused on this main event. This is what they'd been waiting for. This was the pinnacle. But this particular year was different. Something different happened. Something interjected. Something took everybody by surprise. Because you see, Jesus was there. (laughs) And you can never tell quite what's going to happen when Jesus is there. And this is what happened. Everybody was focused on the main event. There were the priests there, all gathered around And there was the trumpeters just about to lift the trumpets to their mouths. And suddenly, from the side, Jesus stood up and he shouted, Oi! Hey there! Over here! If you're thirsty, come to me! If you are really thirsty, you come to me and drink. And out of you, what you drink is going to explode out of you like rivers of living water. Everybody was shocked. Everybody was astounded. The trumpeter nearly choked on his trumpet. The priest nearly fell over in despair and righteous religious indignation. How dare... How dare he interrupt this holy moment with such a vile shout. And then there was what he said. If you're really thirsty, come to me and drink. I mean, it's always a bit of a shock, isn't it, when somebody just starts shouting in public. <laughs> if you ever go down the tube or something in London, you get people coming out and shouting and they're drunk and they're off their heads. It's disturbing. Never happens in Birmingham, of course. That's disturbing enough. But then there was what he said, you know, if you're really thirsty, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow out from within him. In this, Jesus was saying, He says, I'm God. That's what he was saying. He says, I'm God. It's me. I was the one. That gave you the water in the desert that you 're now celebrating and thanking God for i 'm the one who provided for you when nobody else did i 'm the one who gave you the manna. he says i 'm god i 'm here. I mean, do you realize how shocking that was? You can just imagine the awkward silence. It was a kind of tumble weed moment. <laughs> Now all eyes were on Jesus. Who is this? Who does he think he is? Who do we think he is? Who do I think he is? And then the whispers start. Some says, he's a prophet. He must be. He's crazy. <laughs> to do that kind of thing, he must be a prophetic person. Others said, well, he's the Messiah. He's come to save us. That's obvious. And others were just angry at him for ruining the party for cutting across the holy moment. But what is clear is that nobody knew quite what to do or what to say. And often we don't. You know, when we first encounter Jesus, something arrests us and we are flawed. We don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, we're just not worthy. When we encounter him for the first time, but when we encounter him every time, my Lord and my God... I'm not worthy. you encountered him like that? Has he impacted your life like that? Has there been that intersection with him? I've stopped short. I've been stopped in my tracks. I've encountered him, the living God. What's it all about? And of course, you see, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. But John helpfully explains it to us Because Jesus wasn't really talking about jars of water poured out on the ground. He wasn't talking about the wine that they'd already probably had too much of and said, are you thirsty? Come to me. They'd already drunk too much. But on that day, that last and greatest day of the feast, he was talking about the Spirit. It says in verse 39, he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him would later receive. Because up to that time the Spirit had not been poured out, it had not been given because Jesus hadn't yet been glorified. He says, if you want God, this is what he was saying if you want God, if you really want him, forget religious rituals. Forget all these things. If you really want God, if you want an encounter with him, come to me. He says, if you want a spiritual encounter, come to me. If you're longing for an intervention, drink me in. You see, the Holy Spirit is on offer. And you know the Holy Spirit, and I I say this respectfully, but the Holy Spirit is, he's liquid God. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is liquid God, the God that can't be contained, the God that is unimaginable and beyond all comprehension. He's liquid God, you can drink him in. You can drink in God. If you're thirsty, drink me in. We can absorb him. We can be baptised in him, saturated with God by the Holy Spirit. He's liquid God. Oh, he's like the air that we breathe. Another occasion, Jesus, it said, came and stood amongst them. And he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He's liquid God. He's, he's breathing God. You can take God in. Are you thirsty? Are you longing for him? Why, why not just where you are right now, why don't you just take a drink? Just right where you are. Just, t- just stop, just ignore everybody else. Ignore me. Just say, Lord, I drink you in. I'm so thirsty. Just so they, I want you to just breathe him in. Just breathe in the Holy Spirit right now. He's in this place. Just breathe him in. Just take a big drink. And I just believe. Uh, I was uh, just sitting up one night and I just felt Jesus come and say it to me. He says, Are you thirsty, Rob? Are you longing for me? Have you still got that longing? I believe that Jesus is standing amongst us today. That wonderful prophetic word about the waterfall, step in behind the waterfall. There's an invitation today. He's standing amongst us today and he's crying out. I believe he is. He's crying out, if anyone's thirsty, don't go there. Come here. Come to me and drink. And as we step into 2015, I want to ask you, are we a thirsty church? Are you thirsty? Are you longing for him? Are we thirsty together? Do we long for God? Do we long for his presence? Or are we more interested in who's leading worship and who's preaching today? And is it going to be any good? (laughs) Sorry, we all do this. (laughs) Not me, of course, but we all do this. Are you thirsty for Jesus and for his presence? And it's a really important question because it's thirst that causes us to drink or not to drink. It's only when we're thirsty that we drink. Are you thirsty today? Does your thirst bring you to Jesus? So let's just think about thirst for a minute. Let's just think about our thirst and what we thirst for. And this is going to be challenging, all right? Are you up for being challenged at the beginning of the new year? Our thirst and what we thirst for. We all know what it's like to be thirsty, you know, feeling dry in the mouth, even perhaps a headache. If you haven't drunk properly in the day, you get a headache. And who hasn't woken up in the middle of the night just desperate for a glass of water because you had a curry the night before and and your breath, (laughs) like sandpaper on your tongue. (laughs) We know what it is to be thirsty, but do we know what it is to be really desperate for a drink? I mean, we talk about feeling thirsty, don't we? But I don't know, have you ever experienced real thirst? Like desert thirst, like life-threatening thirst? I can't say I have, but on one occasion when we were in Spain and it was very, very hot, the hottest I've ever known, I went out without a drink. And for a short period of time, I knew what it was to be desperately, desperately thirsty. And it was a frightening experience. And this is where we discover that thirst isn't just a a feeling. We say, oh, I feel a bit thirsty, I'm going to have a drink. Thirst is not just a feeling, it's a strong and overwhelming desire which drives us to find something that we need. It's a strong and overwhelming desire. That's how Webster's defines it. And do you know, if you were to get in the way of a really desperate man or woman who had this kind of thirst, they would fight you for a drink. They would probably even try to kill you. That's how desperate thirst really makes you now the bible was written in the middle east and they knew about real thirst they knew about deserts they knew about desperation and so the psalmist writes in psalm 42 he says as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you oh god my soul thirsts for god For the living God, where can I go to meet with him? As a deer pants. And the picture there is of a deer that's being chased by hunters across dry and arid land. Do you know that kind of thirst today? Does your heart thirst after God like that? Or as David prayed in Psalm 63, he says, Oh God, God. You are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you. It's a strange thing to think about your body longing for God. Does your body long for God in a dry and weary land where there is no water? You know, those times when I'm just so sick of the world... I'm so sick of what I see on the news, what I hear. Yet another case of so-and-so. So sick of it. My body longs for God, for his purity, for his holiness, for his righteousness, for his righteous judgment, for the full expression of his kingdom on earth. I long for him. When we're ill, when we're sick, when we're in pain, I long for heaven suddenly. I don't want to be in pain anymore. My body longs for you. Guys, does that describe us as a church? Are we a people that long for God? See, Jesus stood and he shouted at the climax of seven days of eating and drinking. And he said, If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Seven days of eating and drinking. Nobody was thirsty nobody needed a drink they were satisfied with the world in which they lived they were happy they were full their bellies were full they didn't need that drink you think of oh, jesus did you get the timing wrong you know that wasn't the best time to use that illustration if they'd just come back from john the baptist and they sort of done the long trip back into the town out of the desert that would have been a good time to stand up and shout no jesus stood up at this crux moment When people were full, when they were happy, when they were excited to be together. And he says, if anyone's really thirsty, come to me. And it's very easy for us to be actually quite happy, quite content. And I don't want you to be unhappy, don't get me wrong. But to be satisfied with things other than Jesus. Do you know, quite frankly, sometimes we just don't need him. Sometimes I'm glad for the crises. I say that very hesitantly. <laughs> because it drives me to God. And I need him more than ever. It's true to say that it's, it's the slaves who sang the songs about heaven and the longing to be free that we wouldn't have any comprehension of singing. Does your thirst always drive you to God? Are you thirsty and does your thirst always drive you to God? Because the reality is, and I might shock you now, but the reality is is that we don't always desire God. I don't always long for God. I don't always want to pray. I don't always want to read my Bible. I don't always want to worship. I don't. I don't desire God. Sometimes I'm, I'm cold towards him. Sometimes I'm irritated that I've got to do this again. <laughs> Sorry, have I shocked you now? Well, listen, John Piper backs me up on this. He even wrote a book called, and I haven't read the book, but the title's enough for me. When I Don't Desire God... We don't always desire God. And worse than that sometimes is not that we just don't desire God, it's that we desire other things. We desire things that are a different kind of longing altogether. We desire things that we wouldn't want to be publicly known about us. Shameful things Sometimes. We desire things that come from the flesh, from our own sinful desires. You find yourself longing for things other than God. You see, the thing is, every human being that ever lived knows what it is to thirst. We all know what it is to thirst. And it's not just a physical need. But it's a human experience. A kind of drive within us, a thirst that motivates us to live, a kind of longing inside every human being that has ever and will ever live. But we don't always go to the right wells to drink. we end up drinking from the wrong wells. This is serious. There's an example of it in John chapter 4 where Jesus talks to a woman about her thirst. And he comes and he, he sits down on the side of the well and he starts to talk to her about her life. And he talks to her about all kinds of things that he's he's been shown and sitting on that well it's it's the well of her community right in the heart of the community that's where he sits one hot afternoon and starts to talk to her about her life and and she knew what it was to thirst you know because she tried everything to satisfy that deep longing inside of her she had an incredible craving for intimacy she had such a need for acceptance. She, she longed to be loved just the way that she was. I mean, she tried five husbands in the hope of finding the answer to this deep ache that she had inside of her. And now she was living with a sixth man who wasn't her husband, and she was still unsatisfied. And do you know, I love what she says to Jesus I love that he says in this sort of strange conversation that's going on at two levels at the same time, she says, do you know, the well is deep. (laughs) How are you going to find a rope long enough? You have no idea how deep my craving is. How deep my need is. Jesus, are you going to have a bucket that reaches to that? Wonderful picture. We know what it is to thirst, to crave, to long every human being does but Jesus knowing her whole life tells her what she surely must have already been coming to after six husbands he says you can't satisfy that kind of depth of longing and need with physical things you can't get satisfaction from that craving that hole inside of you through that water from the well you need something different He says, verse 13 of John chapter 4, he says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. It's the same cry that he made in John chapter 7. If anyone's thirsty, come to me. You'll never thirst again. There's something about the water that I'll give you. You won't crave in the same way again. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. I have to keep coming here. I have to keep coming here to drink. I keep coming back to this well and I know I shouldn't. But give me this so that I don't have to. I don't want to have to keep coming back here. Now, perhaps you're feeling like that today. Yeah, I want to be thirsty for God, but I find I keep coming back here. Now I know this little interlude is about a woman that we, who we might term as a, she wouldn't be a Christian. I don't know. Uh, she's clearly living a very sinful life, perhaps even an unbeliever, I don't know. Living in a worldly way. And this story is often used, isn't it, to present the gospel, but I wonder, is that all it is? I mean, can we completely disassociate from it? Because, you know, living in a worldly way can define as many believers as unbelievers when it comes to where we go to drink. The wells that we sip from. It's just that unbelievers are quite often a bit more open about these things. Jesus said that those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. It's only when you're hungry and thirsting after the right things that you'll know satisfaction. After righteousness will be filled. Are you filled? <laughs> or are you still looking? <laughs> Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. I mean, one indication that you're still looking is about where you go to drink. (laughs) So, Lord, I said this was going to be challenging. Let me ask you, Christian, where do you go to drink? Where are you drinking from? Because there are many places that we can go to satisfy that deep longing, that thirst inside of us, even as Christians. Now, there are many different wells that the world offers. Think about it different ways in which we look for satisfaction outside of Jesus because we're not healed up yet. <laughs> We've still got stuff that God needs to do in our lives. You know, for money, I mean, money, for example, there's a well. That's a pit if ever there was one. You know, but money, how, how, how many times do you try and satisfy some need inside you that you can't quite explain? i going to spend some money. You know, they, we even use that phrase, retail therapy. Have you thought about what that means? What kind of therapy am I getting from this? Why do I do that? Why do I feel so much better after I've done it? What? How does that therapy work exactly? There's no money back guarantee on it either. I don't know, but I, I would suggest that the root of that is a need for affirmation and reward that somehow we're not getting from our relationship with Jesus because we've not been healed up properly yet. Look at the roots of it. all there's food. I mean, how often do we eat to satisfy an ache or a sadness inside of us? We call it comfort eating. Comfort eating. It's a good one to bring up during the diet season, isn't it? I mean, the root of that, I think, is just that sense of feeling unfulfilled, feeling empty. There's kind of a craving that's not being satisfied. What about sex? There's another well. And I don't mean in the context of a marriage. I mean, for those who look to satisfy that need outside of that relationship, you know, through porn. Or sex clubs, or whatever, and you know there's a root to that—just a longing and a need for intimacy. Realise that that's why you're going to that. Well, I just need to feel close to somebody. I need to feel special. I need to feel accepted for the way that I am. And there's alcohol, and there's drugs, and gambling. There's all sorts of other things, and maybe some more innocuous-sounding ones. But they're all wells, all obvious wells that the world offers. But, and there are many alternatives to Jesus, but they're inferior. And you know, so often when we drink of these puddles, <laughs> which aren't really wells at all, that offer so much, that give us so little, we come away just feeling so rubbish. You just feel so... I wrote down a really good phrase here, but I can't find it now. Oh yeah, regret. Yeah, when you drink of these things, you just go away feeling regret. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you feel it for hours, sometimes you feel it for days, and sometimes you feel it for weeks, and you need somebody to actually help you. I should never have drunk, I, kept, I couldn't stop going back to that well, I've drunk of it. I feel so much regret. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not having a go. I've drunk of some of these wells myself. We've all drunk at some of these wells. We've all been drawn to some of these shallow puddles. But here's Jesus. He's standing here and he's crying out, Come and be satisfied in me. Look, I know you're thirsty. Jesus was saying, I know you are. That's how I created you. I created human beings to be thirsty. But that thirst was designed to lead you to me. Not to these other places. So how about this for a New Year's resolution? To drink from Jesus and get life instead of these poor imitations that the world has to offer. Oh God, will you interrogate our desires? Will you make us long only after you? Will you make us passionate for you and for your name? Is that your prayer today? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for the right things? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Let's just talk about that as we come to an end here. But being thirsty for Jesus, because that's a crucial, crucial question. Because unless you're thirsty for Jesus, I just want to say this, that no amount of willpower, fear, condemnation or otherwise will stop us from drinking of these other wells. You tried it, haven't you? It doesn't work. Unless you are thirsty for Jesus, there's nothing that can stop you drinking from these other wells. Unless we're finding satisfaction in Jesus, we will continue to graze at those other places. So how do we change that? How do we stop that? How do we regain or increase that thirst for God instead of these other things? I just want to share three things with you. Number one, we need to recognise that these other wells are what they are. Recognise them for what they are. They're poor substitutes at least, sinful at most and when we've recognised them we need to repent say Lord I shouldn't have gone there, admit that you're wrong it's nobody else's fault but yours don't try blaming your parents, blaming your wife, blaming your friends take responsibility and say sorry to those that have been affected by your life choices by the wells you've been drinking at it's affected other people in your family, in your community it affects people say sorry to them take responsibility clean up your mess (laughs) then take some time I suggest to reflect think about it why have I been going there what is the root of that Lord will you show me what is it I've been trying to fulfill what what need have I got in me that I'm not quite getting from you at the moment and heal me up Lord You know, often these things, these other worlds can become idols in our lives. And actually what it is, is I'm worshipping something else other than God. I found that in my own life. I'm not really worshipping God and loving him with all my heart. I'm loving this. Repent of idolatry. And then get some help. Find somebody who's strong in that area. The area that you've been struggling ask them to help you change learn from them and if you mess up again can i just say this are you all listening when you mess up again don't beat yourself up about it for days and days and days when you're down when you fall fallen, just get up again accept forgiveness and forgive yourself And move on with God. So many people get trapped in condemnation because they don't know how to receive forgiveness from God and they don't know how to forgive themselves. You're forgiven. There's no condemnation. Amen? So how about doing that right now? No better time than now. Let's do that right now. Let's repent together of, uh, I don't know how to do this, I just feel like we should do it right now. If God's putting his fingers on something right now, just close your eyes, just focus on God, let him, let him speak to you, let the Spirit of God speak to you at the moment, because I believe there's freedom coming for a number of people. There's no guilt, there's no condemnation, but there is freedom. And just repent of drinking that well. Lord, I'm sorry, I should never have been drinking there. I'm not going to do that anymore. I turn from it, Lord. And Lord, will you show me the roots of it so I don't need to keep going back there? Will you deal with that? And Lord, would you give me somebody in my life that can help me? Somebody I can talk to about this, that can walk with me through this. Just repent, just deal with it. The Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now just receive cleansing. Just be cleansed right now in Jesus' name. That's step one, repent. And if the Spirit of God is still working on you, feel free to stay there. We'll come back to it a bit later because I want to give you step two. This is really good. Repent, and then step two, ask God to give you some new desires. Have you thought about that? That's so cool. Don't you think that's really good teaching? Here we go. Sometimes I just need a bit of affirmation. Uh, I don't know if you realise this, but desiring God is not a natural thing. Have you worked that out yet? It's not a natural thing, because flesh doesn't naturally desire God. Actually, Paul tells us that the flesh fights against the Spirit of God because they're in competition with one another. I mean, the fact that we desire God at all, take huge encouragement from this, is a work of the Holy Spirit. That's encouraging. God has started something. I desire God. I might have lost it a bit or I might have gone off a bit, But I know that in my heart of hearts, I desire you, Lord. I mean, the very fact that we got saved in the first place, Jesus says that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Is that okay to get excited about that? Are you feeling the drawing? You know, as I've been talking about having a thirst for God, have you just been feeling drawn? A yes or a no would be good. Are you? That's really good. If that's how you got saved, it was God initiated, then why do you think it's going to change now that you are saved? Huh? Why do you think it is? Nothing changes. John tells us that we love because he first loves us. And do you know what that means? It means that Jesus continues to initiate... He continues to draw us after him, not the other way around. I told you this was good. You know, the reason I'm a Christian today is nothing to do with my own faith or determination. It's all about his faithfulness. Really, really it is. I couldn't be a Christian today unless he hadn't done it in me. I didn't desire God. Sometimes I still don't. But you know, time after time after time. It just happened this week. I, was, I couldn't sleep this week. Three nights on a row, the Spirit of God just kept coming on me. And he was drawing me. And I thought, oh, I've got to go. Oh, I've got to go and spend time in his presence. I couldn't go to sleep. He's done that to me time and time again. It's the reason I'm a Christian today because he keeps pulling me drawing me even now I can feel that just a longing after him it's the same for you I release you now from legalism in Jesus name that says that I've got to try and make this happen Now I go away from this talk thinking I've got to get more thirsty for God the only thing you can do is repent <laughs> you can repent but then it's over to God God, you're now responsible for the next step. Step two is, God, you're now responsible. So ask him to increase your desire for him. Ask him to do that. I often pray this. I say, Lord, just give me the desire to be in your company. Because sometimes I don't. It's uncomfortable, isn't it, sometimes in God's presence? (laughs) Lord, give me the desire to be in your company Give me the the desire to pursue you. Give me such a love for your word. You know, people often say to me, I can't read the Bible. Just don't know where to start. find it so boring. I say, well, that's okay. It is. It's really hard work reading the Bible. Ask God to give you a desire for it. It becomes an insatiable. I can't but read the Bible. If I don't read my Bible, I I just feel desperately hungry. God puts that in you. Ask him for it. Why don't you do that right now? Let's just pause again, shall we? Just right where you are, just say, Lord, give me such a desire. Whatever it is you've not been desiring, just ask him for it right now. I believe that God's going to release it right out of heaven. receive it now <laughs> don't just ask, receive thank you Lord thank you, just receive that such a longing for you thank you Jesus, just speak it out some of you just need to speak it out you know when you do it in your head it's not quite the same as when you speak it out just speak it out if your neighbour's listening, that's okay they'll get blessed by it just let some of that passion just come out of you right now speak it out Lord, tell them about how hungry you are now Lord, how much I want you. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you saved me. You know, if you didn't save me, I wouldn't desire you at all. Wow, just think about that. That's amazing. Praise God. So repent. Secondly, hand over to God. Thirdly, watch the company you keep. Do you know, I love being around unbelievers. I love helping people going through difficult times perverse I know but I love that I love giving out I love preaching I love doing God's work but in the end all these things drain us and so we need to watch the company that we keep because sometimes we don't desire God just because we're knackered so make sure that we not only give out but we take in from others we all need people in our lives who energise and inspire us friends that do us good although can I just say it's not always the friends sometimes there are other people in our lives that do us good but I wouldn't call them my friends as such you know, can you get hung up on that oh I haven't got any friends get over it just receive inspiration from where you can get it sometimes some of the best inspiration you can receive is from reading a book I don't know the author but I get incredible inspiration and affirmation and encouragement from it. Or the internet, I suppose, isn't it now? You know, Download a book on my Kindle. I diverse, I go, oh dear. Ah, oh, the Spirit of God's here. And I just want to ask you one last thing on this, about watching the company. You keep. Are you plugged into church? You know, I don't mean, do you just come to all the meetings? I mean, that would be great, because you know about 30% of the church are away most of the time. Did you know that? Yeah, I can. <laughs> but no condemnation. <laughs> but are you plugged in? I mean, we, as a church, we, we don't put on too many meetings. We don't want to get meetinged out. We don't have meetings every night of the week or anything like that. So when we do put something on, it's really important (laughs) because we feel like we've really got to do this. And so we really want people to be there. Not because we're counting the numbers. I don't even do that. I've just been told that statistic. (laughs) Well, I do count a bit. Um, But more kind of, oh, why isn't so-and-so here? I miss them, you know? But it's more kind of It will do you good. It does you good to be with people that are passionate for God. It will change your life just being around Christians that are on fire. So I just want to encourage you, as we go into this new year, watch the company you keep, get stuck in, receive something from one another, allow people to pray for you, minister to you and encourage you. Amen. So listen, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Are we a thirsty church? Because if you are, then you can come to Jesus. He says, if you're thirsty, you can come to me. Do you know that's almost conditional? Because you won't come to Jesus if you're not thirsty. Or if you're satisfying your thirst elsewhere. Amen.